This is the God Kingdom Philosophy Podcast with creator and master teacher, Mr. Cornell Gregory. And now for today's prayer and meditation brought to you by Mr. Cornell Gregory.
this chapter I'm going to simply refer to scripture as opposed to citing the scripture verbatim. Now in this chapter I'm going to simply refer to scripture as opposed to citing the scripture verbatim. My goal with this book is to simply spark the search for answers, instead of claiming to be the answer to all questions. The Bible is clear when it says seekers will find the answers, knock and the door will be opened unto you. Now I believe once we remove the burden of a religious outlook, we can clearly see God's original purpose and plan for mankind. So if we simply start at what I believe is the beginning of creation, and the book of Je- So if we simply start at what I believe is the beginning of creation, and the book of Genesis 1, when the Bible simply says God created heaven and earth. And after making mankind male and female, he told them to have dominion over the earth realm. Now in further investigation, it should be noted, God never instructed people to dominate each other. Also from the book of Genesis we can clearly see that mankind was already made in the image of God. This makes the religious search for God somewhat erroneous. God's original intent was mankind, made in his own image, to have daily access to him without any interruptions, instead of a never-ending search to find enlightenment. Now I believe one of the biggest misconceptions about the God of the Bible, among other believers is that God does whatever he likes in the earth realm. Some people not in the faith have a hard time understanding what God actually did in the creation of earth and putting mankind in charge. Before going any further, I would like us to just simply look at the garden and God's original plan in the beginning. A few things I would like to point out, there is absolutely no violence recorded, daily communication directly between God and mankind, and the absence of scarcity or lack of food, wealth or in the ground. Moving forward, in the book of Psalms 115 verses 15 and 16 makes it very simple to understand the operation of God. In verse 15 the Bible clearly states are blessed to the Lord which made heaven and earth now in verse 16 is a simple yet powerful statement. Verse 16 says the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth has he given to the children of man. I believe this is where most people misunderstand the world and its operation. The early outlook of the book of Genesis makes it clear that God created the heavens and the earth. Again, when I use the term mankind I am including both the male and female. So we can understand that God's original plan for the earth was simply peace and daily communion. The Most High's original intent was not to make servants or slaves of mankind, but a family of gods who carry his image and likeness. Now some of the unbelievers reading this book may still choose to not believe in the Bible, which is totally your God-giving right to do so. My goal in this book is to simply point out the simplicity of God's original plan, void of some of the religious barriers that has been put in the way. So again I admonish everyone to simply go on their own internal journey. 5 Chapter The Separation of the Father and the Family Now, in order to stay with my big picture approach, I would admonish every person reading this book to simply search the scriptures for the origin of the devil outlined in the book of Isaiah and in the book of Ezekiel, but for the sake of not attempting to make this chapter biblical doctrine, I will simply refer to the scriptures in hopes to assist your own individual biblical research and study for yourself. So moving forward, we see in the book of Genesis chapter 3, 
that the character known as the serpent, the devil, is introduced into the text, in hopes to get mankind to disobey their father. Now with further study of the book of Genesis you will see that the only stipulation the father placed on his children was not to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I think it's noteworthy that the Most High, who is oftentimes accused of perpetuating evil throughout the world, wanted his very own children to have no knowledge of evil. Quick side note, the reasoning behind the Most High not wanting his children to know evil may be one of the most important lessons that the church has totally overlooked. The soul of mankind resembles soil. Whatever gets planted in the soul will grow and give off fruit. Satan wanted to sow evil into the soul of man, so mankind will produce evil fruit. As a result, receive judgment from the Most High. The law of sin and death was in the earth. I will explain in complete detail in later teachings, but for the sake of staying on topic, let's move on. Let's investigate what was done by the fallen angel, using a serpent. He simply got the children of the king to doubt their father's words and their true identity. Now as we can see, he mentioned to them that if they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they will be like God. It is important to understand, in light of the previous chapter, the serpent challenged mankind's image of themselves. He simply made them feel like they didn't measure up, that their father was holding something from them. So man decided to go on a search for something they already had. This to me is the main problem with religion. It's a never-ending search that will continue to yield more frustration. To say God didn't want man to know evil. To say God didn't want man to know evil only good, because of his fear of man becoming like God is simply a lie. Genesis 1, 26 the Bible clearly states that mankind was already made in his image and in his likeness. So I think most of us know the rest of the story. If not, I admonish you to read the book of Genesis starting with the first three chapters. And before I close this chapter, I would like to point out one distinct point to the Bible detractors potentially reading this book. In the beginning there were absolutely no pain, no violence, no record of death, before the sin separation of mankind physical and the father spirit. Sixth chapter the king's plan to locate his children. In the ministry of Jesus, in his preaching on the kingdom of God, he mentioned an interesting parable describing the kingdom. In Matthew 13, 44, and again the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure here in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy therefore go with and sell us all that he have and buy that field. 45, and again the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant seeking goodly pearls. 46, who when he has found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now without getting overly spiritual, with the consideration to the unbeliever, who may not be able to understand spiritual truth at this point, let's stay with the natural parable. In the parable I believe it's very important to understand that the man discovered his lost treasure, and upon the discovery of his lost treasure he immediately went and sold all he had to purchase the land that the treasurer was in. Also, in 46 he referred to it as a pearl. So without getting to spiritual in this chapter, I think it's easy to understand that this parable is referring to the Most High, discovering his lost family, offering heaven's best which is, Jesus the Christ, to buy his lost family back. In light of the previous chapter, in the book of Genesis when God stated that in the day they eat of the tree they were going to die, 
You should have noticed after doing your own reading that they didn't physically die immediately. So I believe the death the father was referring to was similar to the death we have in a phone conversation, where in mid-conversation we may use the term, my phone died, meaning you have lost connection with the person you are communicating with. So what I believe happened in the book of Genesis was mankind losing the direct communication with God himself. Keeping that in mind in previous chapters we looked at the scripture John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So I believe in light of what we just discussed, death referred to separation or disconnection. I believe life refers to connection or reconnection. So it is my belief that Jesus gave his life to restore us back in direct contact with the Father. When mankind disobeyed the Father instruction, a flaming sword was placed in front of the tree of life which represents biblical sin and judgment. I believe the role of the Lamb was to remove the flaming sword, taking the punishment of judgment and death, giving mankind the opportunity to partake of the tree of life. If your religion stands in the way of direct contact, or points you to a man, being between you and the Creator, whether perceived or taught by your religious leaders, I believe it's in direct violation of what Jesus came to do and the purpose for all creation. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. He doesn't do anything of his own, only what the Father would have him do. Let's do a quick overview. The Father created Adam, mankind, in his image, placed the universe under their control, mankind lost connection, and lost their identity. Christ came to restore that connection and give us a visual of what a God in the flesh should look like. So if at this time, you have not decided, and take advantage of his sacrifice of putting you back in position, you should really consider doing so right now. Give the Father permission to fill you with his light, become one with his spirit. 7 Chapter The Royal Family, The Gods of the Earth If you are still reading this book, I believe you are now one with light. The light of the Most High is flowing through you, so this chapter will have more of a spiritual backdrop to it. In the book of Romans 8.29 Paul makes an interesting statement, 29 for whom did he foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So I think it's important at this time to understand that Christ did not give his life to create servants. I think sometimes in the Christian faith, we are taught, some unknowingly, to see ourselves somehow as servants of Christ. Remember we discussed in the previous chapters that the assignment of Christ was to buy back mankind, and put us directly in the position that we were in, in the garden. I think in some ways it does a disservice to what Christ has done in order to bring us back to the family, and to make us sons of God, as opposed to just seeing ourselves simply as servants. Now the next chapter we are going to clearly define what a son is, but as for right now let's continue to look at what the finished work of Christ actually is. I don't believe it to be simply a ticket to heaven, but a return to the family and priesthood of God. In the book of Revelation 1, 5-6 and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us, and watched us from our sins in his own blood, six and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. Revelations 5, 9 says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, 
and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain, and hast to redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, and tongue, and people, and nation ten. And hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. There are more scriptures to further back my claim, but for right now we should understand what Jesus has done. He did not come to make us servants or slaves but to put us back in right standing with God therefore making us kings and priests. So I understand how religion can make us feel that we are always in search of connection with God, but understanding what Jesus has done for us we should understand that he has connected us back to the Father directly, and the indwelling of the Spirit light of God. I will talk a little more about the Spirit of God explained in the Bible in the next chapter. But as for right now, I want you to look yourself through either your soul, mind, your imagination, visualization, and understand that you are not what society says you are. You are not what television depicts you as, but you are who God originally created you to be. You are kings and priests of the Most High God. Before moving on, I would like to give you a chance to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the light of the Most High. Visualize yourself partaking of the Tree of Life. It's funny. My being filled with the spirit, light, of God also came to me while reading a book. Although I'm not opposed to having hands laid on you, in order to receive the gift of speaking in tongues, which simply means a pure language and or dialect directly from the Most High, for your direct communication, nothing to be afraid of. If you ask for bread, will your father give you a stone or a snake? Remember, this is your created purpose. You were designed to have the light of the spirit world, flowing through you, giving spiritual light to the world, as the sun and moon provide its natural light. If the second Adam, Christ, was the light of the world, then so was the first Adam, which explains the theory of darkness being in the world. Man was disconnected from spirit light, thus the world had no spirit light. The Most High made you king, and placed you in charge of your life, so he needs your permission to fill you with his light. If I was lost in a foreign land, taught the language of that land, when discovered by my father, it will be imperative for me to learn the language of my father, thus allowing us to communicate at an optimal level. Luke 11.11 If a son shall ask for bread of any of you as a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? 12 Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? 13 If he then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to them and ask him? In chapter the king who sacrificed one son, to save the family. Now this chapter will be filled with a little more biblical doctrine, because I believe that we are all spirit-filled believers at this point. First of all let's understand that Christ is not the last name of Jesus but it is his title. The Anointed One, and his anointing, Adam, Light Carrier, Carrier of the Spirit, and the Ark of the Covenant are all titles that I believe explain what the word Christ really means. Let's look at the book of Matthew 8:24. and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he was sleep twenty-five and his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We perish twenty-six space and he have said unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the waves and the sea, and there was a great calm, but the man marveled, saying, What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Growing up I have always found this passage of scripture perplexing. 
Jesus calm the storm. He simply asked, where is your faith? Almost indicating if they understood who they were, they would have been able to do the same thing. Now for argument's sake, let's just say the confines of religion keeps us in a state of marveling at what Jesus has done instead of understanding he has put us in the position to do the same things. John 14 12 says verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. Again, I believe in most religious circles, we are in the boat of the disciples, where we simply marvel at the works that Jesus performed, but Jesus admonishes us that we should be able to perform the same work to have a positive effect on the world as he did. To provide spiritual light in the world. Now in Romans 8.14 the Bible says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. Not servants, but sons remember ladies, this is not gender specific, we are referring to mankind, so in the masculine form of the word we are all in the image of the Most High both male and female, so that makes us sons of God, so please don't let the devil trip you up with contrary mental thoughts. But as we see in the text the Apostle Paul states that if you are led by the Spirit, light of God you are a son of God. It is very important that we don't see ourselves as simply servants, but as sons of God. Verse 15 says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father 16 and the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, that we are children of God 17 and if children then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, it still be that we suffer with him, that we may also glorify together 18 for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 19 for the earnest expectations of the creature waited with for the manifestations of the sons of God. Now this text is so powerful in that it states, that the world is waiting for the sons of God to be manifested, revealed, or made known. It's interesting that this text does not say the world is waiting for another religion, but for the manifestation and the understanding that the Most High has made his sons. When God created the world, and all its systems, kingdoms, he placed mankind in charge of it. So Christ died, as the sacrifice for the original sin that separated us from the Father in the tree of life in the garden. Let's be clear, the term Christ, is a title. It is not the last name of Jesus. The Christ means the carrier of the Spirit of God. The kingdom of God or the spiritual beings that bear his image are considered the Christ. Those who are one with light, these are the sons of God. So the natural men, mankind, that are not one with light are lost and are unaware of their true identity. They are spiritually blind, meaning they have not given the Most High permission to fill them with His light and does not understand their identity and purpose. The book of Galatians 3.26 says, For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus 27 For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. 28 There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ, of the same source, one with the Father. I just wanted again to point out that the Bible does not preach separation or denominations, rather oneness in Christ's spirit, light, all of the same source the Father of all spirits. So before moving on I would like to again admonish some soul-searching on the part of the believer. 
Are we following the ordinances of the Most High or are we more concerned with religious dogma in order to seek man's approval? Ninth chapter, the Kingdom of God, the Identity and Agenda. I think it's important to understand that the only message Jesus the Christ taught in his earthly ministry was the Kingdom of God or as I like to put it, the God Kingdom. What exactly is the God Kingdom you may ask? This is a subject that I have dedicated an entire teaching called the God Kingdom Philosophy. The God Kingdom is not a place, but a people, a species if you will, that is the Father's most unique and peculiar creation. It's the only creation that has his image and functionality. If we consider history, it's mankind that builds civilizations. It is mankind that kills his brother. It's not fallen angels, or any other creature. Mankind is of the God Kingdom. Just as the lion is of the animal kingdom, mankind is of the God Kingdom. Mankind is the only species that are made up of both spirit, heaven, light, and earth, matter, the natural realm. When the Father said, let us make mankind, he was referring to both heaven, spirit, light, himself, and earth, matter. God formed mankind from the dust of the ground, and then planted his seed, his spirit, breath, light, and earth. As the body comes from the woman, and the seed comes from the father in childbirth, so it is in the spirit, the child will share traits of both mother and father, so mankind is made up of both spirit and matter, natural and spirit, heaven and earth. Mankind lost identity of his spirit self, when he became separated in the garden. Again, I have developed an entire book, and teaching to this subject. Also, I would like us to place more of an importance on the understanding of the kingdom of God as Paul says in the book of Acts 30, 31 where it says that Paul dwelt two whole years his own hired house, and receive all that came in unto him 31 preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus with all confidence, no man forbidding him. This is an important statement because the misconception is that the Apostle Paul only taught the cross of Christ and him crucified. I think if we take a further look at the context of that statement made by the Apostle, we would understand how important the Kingdom of God message is. As we looked at earlier in the book of Matthew chapter 24, 14, it says 14 in this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So here Jesus states the importance of teaching about the kingdom of God. Jesus states, the end of this age will not come until the kingdom of God is preached to every nation. Now he did not say simply the cross of Christ, or even to be followers of Christ. He said the kingdom of God. Again Jesus never preached anything but the kingdom of God to the masses. Actually Jesus only mentioned the new birth once to anyone besides his disciples in private and that one time was to a gentleman named Nicodemus who came to him in the middle of the night. Unless a man, mankind, who born of both water, born of woman, and spirit, one with life, spirit self, he will not be able to see, understand, operate in or as the kingdom of God. So in short I believe two scriptures give us the clearest view of what operating in the kingdom of God actually is. The first one being Isaiah 6 1 1 7. One the spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He had sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison of that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, three to appoint unto them that mourn in 
Zion. To give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Point for it, they shall build the old wastes, they shall rise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. Point five, and strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the alien shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. Six, that you shall be named the priest of the Lord, and shall call you the ministers of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. Seven, for your shame you shall have double, and for confusion you shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land they shall possess the double, everlasting joy shall be unto them. I think we see in the book of Luke where Jesus was in the temple and used the same scripture will announce himself in his assignment. Luke 4 18-21 18 The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, 19 to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, 20 and he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. In the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. 21 and he began to say to unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. I believe this is the role of every spirit-filled believer. This is the work of the kings and priests. The gods of the earth, the offspring of the Most High, are to rebuild and repair the world in which we live. 10 Chapter The Return to Eden The return to Eden represents mankind's restoration back to Pillar 6, Ground Zero, Locating Self. Locating the Spirit Self. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Do you see black, white, Democrat, Republican, or any other social group you have pledged your allegiance to? Do you see past failures? Look at yourself and tell me, what do you see? The past pain? The broken hearts from the people who you loved that has left you or hurt you? Where are you? God called out to his first child, Adam, man and woman, because he was hiding his nakedness. He looked in the mirror. And he saw his human flaws and failures. The creator says, but who told you you were naked? You are the image and likeness of God. 
you are his child, his reflection, and his prized possession. This is the spirit self. You are not your body or your mind. So, but you are gods and children of the most high. When you look in the mirror, understand this truth. Dominate your industry and your thoughts. Be fruitful and multiply yourself by learning and teaching and change your world. Set order to both mind and your body. The God Kingdom Philosophy presents Spiritual Meditation by Mr. Cornell Gregory. My spirit is connected to God. My soul is connected to the universe. My body is connected to the earth. Ask your father. God. Spirit. Energy. Light. Wisdom. Love. Life. the creator of the heavens and earth for his language. He will give it to you. Use it during your meditations. It's his original language. Not taught by the hands of men. Only your spiritual father, God, can give you this language. He wants to give you dreams and visions. He wants to communicate with you directly. To the children of the creator, humanity, the God kingdom. I would like to ask a question. What would happen if when we pray, meditate, we not pray in the Hebrew tongue, the Arabic tongue, or the English tongue, language taught by humans, but when we pray, meditate as one, in the language of our spiritual father that no man can teach. The birds speak the language of the birds. The children of God must learn his language. What would happen if at three o'clock, six o'clock, twelve o'clock, all as one, speaking our spirit, Speaking to our spiritual father, the creator of all life, the creator of the sun and the moon. What will happen when the God kingdom wakes up and restore order 
to their promised land. When the children are one, nothing can stop them. Light must become one with vision. Visualize your true self through the eye of your soul. I am a God spirit, child and the image of the Most High. I am spirit, energy. I speak the language of the spirit. I am love. I am light. I am wisdom. I am one with the creator. I am fearless. I am mighty. I am master. I am the one. I am the seed of God. I am powerful. I am the likeness of God. I am the light of the world. I am filled with light. I am one with light. I have the glow. I have the DNA of God. I have the spirit of God flowing in me. I have all access to all the wealth of the universe and the earth as my inheritance. I have a soul. I have a body.
This lesson has been brought to you by the God Kingdom philosophy, creator and master teacher, Mr. Cornell Gregory. To find out more, please visit Mr. Cornell Gregory HealthCoach.com. Until next time, have a peaceful journey.